What do you do if your employer, like Coca-Cola, goes woke and your Department of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion decides to subject you to a woke, racist, anti-racist training like Coca-Cola did to its employees? What can you do? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby, Out of My Mind, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. This is podcast 028, podcast 28. And join us now over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you with a bird's-eye view perspective of this news event and this complex issue confronting our culture, you, and yes, the church, as we apply God's Word to make sense of it all. At the end of the podcast, we'll give you additional resources for further study just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper on our resource page. In the meantime, let's get started. All right, so this one sounds like it's going to be fun, Keith. Uh what do you do with your with your company when they go woke, as uh, my favorite soft drink company has done? Well, Mark, just to give the listeners some background, this is all about critical race theory and so-called sensitivity training that's going on in businesses today. Tech companies like Google, Facebook, Apple, Cisco, almost all the big pharmaceutical companies, and now in the news, Coca-Cola and LinkedIn. So what happened is, is LinkedIn and Coca-Cola have made headlines recently with their actions and what they've done to their employees. LinkedIn had an anti-racist uh, training program by Robin DeAngelo, author of White Fragility, and Coke sort of forced it on its employees. And now there's been this backlash, and LinkedIn very wisely removed the material because in reality, it's racist. Coke, who suggested its own employees take the training, and I put that suggested in air quotes, is now receiving heat because people are catching on to this and aspects of the training have been leaked to the public. And what we're seeing is that all this training is just a new form of racism labeling itself as anti-racist. And the material, when you look at it, is just ludicrous. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's definitely been all over the media. And, you know, these trainings... Uh, I've seen them, whether it's been on the university side um, or, or many other places, you've seen these trainings popping up uh, everywhere. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to kind of draw attention to is uh, you called it racist, anti-racist training, and I've heard you say that a lot. Uh, do you want to explain kind of what you mean by that? Sure thing, Mark. Now, just think with me here. What if you are an African-American man and you came to a company-sponsored or company-mandated training session, and you were told or instructed to do the following. You were told that you need to be less black, because black people, as much as they deny it, are all alike. So don't deny it because these things are true. And so we want you to be less black, and to be less black is to be less arrogant, less trusting, less defensive, less ignorant, and to break with black solidarity. Well, that in and of itself sounds like it's a pretty racist uh, kind of way to go about something. And I'm sure that if, uh, if I was a black employee or um, an African-American employee, I would probably find myself much richer than I was uh, a few moments before that training. You and me both, Mark. I mean, just think of the lawsuit or think of the class action lawsuit. There'd be an army of lawyers lining up to cash in and there'd be a ton of angry stockholder out tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, think of the deep pockets of Coca-Cola or Google and its billions or Apple. Just pick a tech company. Anybody doing this kind of training is open to suit and they deserve it. 
Because you could, if you plug in any race here, you see that this is racist. Imagine being Hispanic or Latino and being told to be less Hispanic, to be less oppressive, to be less arrogant, to be less trusting, to be less defensive, to be less ignorant, to be more humble, to listen, to believe, to break with apathy and break with Hispanic solidarity. Or imagine hearing this. You need to be less of a black heterosexual male, which is to be less oppressive, less arrogant, less trusting. You saw the list. I want to zero in on this example because all of this comes back. All of it comes back to critical race theory. And according to critical theory, there are oppressors and the oppressed. And a black heterosexual male is an oppressor group. While being black is being oppressed, being heterosexual and being a male puts you in two oppressor groups. And while their blackness makes them somewhat oppressed, with intersectionality, you get lumped into groups and you have more or less of a level of moral authority or moral responsibility or moral culpability based on how many groups you can be lumped into. There's a problem with this theory or this type of statement or this ideology. It's like a religious faith and it's based upon opinion. And you cannot discriminate against somebody based on the color of their skin, no matter what color their skin is, or their biological sex or gender. That just makes it illegal. So how is that? That doesn't, It doesn't completely make sense to me because so many of these companies are doing it that I'd figure if it was illegal, something would happen. So, so maybe talk about what exactly makes it illegal. According to federal civil rights law, According to the law of the land, according to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, it is illegal to discriminate against anybody based on their race, based on their religion, based on their national origin, or gender, or sex. And discrimination by employers or labor unions uh, is actionable. Uh, they created the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and gave it the power to file lawsuits on behalf of aggrieved workers. This means that what passes for diversity training in companies like Google or Apple or Coca-Cola and until recently LinkedIn is a civil rights crime because they are forcing people to do things like confess their privilege or confess fragility based upon the color of their skin and occasionally their gender. And it's quite possible that many, if not most, of Silicon Valley companies, now the armed forces, federal agencies, Fortune 500 companies have been violating this law for some time. So let, let's take a closer look by zeroing in on Coca-Cola and LinkedIn's training. You mean Woca-Cola's training? Ooh. Yeah, well, that's what people are calling them now, Woca-Cola. According to an article in Entrepreneur Magazine about what went on at Coca-Cola, there was a video seminar given by Robin DeAngelo. It was put up by LinkedIn. It was entitled Facing Racism. And it was presented through LinkedIn Education. And according to the article, and I'm going to read this to you, the agenda for the seminar was laid out by Dr. Carolyn Borisenko, an organizational psychologist working to end racially divisive ideology of critical race theory, according to her Twitter profile. The course description made it clear that its goal was to guide people to be less white and to help them to understand what it means to be white and to challenge what it means to be racist. So there's the assumption that all white people are racist. And unfortunately for Coca-Cola, which some less charitable folks, as you pointed out, are calling Woca-Cola, a whistleblower or two posted some of the screenshots and slides in social media. And the presentation apparently left many people 
speechless. And so for the sake of our podcast link, uh, I'm going to put some of these slides on the uh, resource page so you can see that there. But in one of the images, I'm not going to read all of them, but in one of the images, you can read to be less white is to be less oppressive, is to be less arrogant, to be less trusting, to be less defensive, to be less ignorant, to be more humble, to listen, to believe, to break with apathy, and break with white solidarity. Another slide says, in the United States and other Western nations, whites are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are white. And they finish with an invitation to be less white. Now think of that type of racist racial generalization. It's insane. So I guess really, what is the problem here with this? I think you know, a lot of us have gone through different um, diversity trainings, sexual harassment trainings, things like that. And we understand that these trainings typically use these extreme examples. And sometimes we just kind of throw those out and we just say, okay, well, obviously I'm never going to do that. So what is really the problem here with this kind of training? You know, there are a number of things. First of all, the concepts of Robin DeAngelo's seminars and of critical race theory are not based in fact. They keep saying, these things are true, these things are true. Says who? These are political and sociological ideologies. It's a worldview. It's like a religion. Recently, I talked to a young adult in our church who underwent similar training at her tech company. They used almost the identical slides. I have the screenshots. And they kept saying, these things are true, these things are true. And they insisted, they tried to force her or to entice her to confess her white privilege her white fragility, and she refused to do so. And the more this went on, uh, she began to fear for her professional well-being. Because these things are not true. I want to say it again. These are opinion. And that's why they call it critical theory or race theory. It's not based in fact. It's based on an ideology, and this is racism, plain and simple. And at her tech company and at Coca-Cola, there's probably significant legal exposure and liability if someone resists. And I really hope that many will act because companies cannot shove this ideology down their workers' throats. They, they can't force them to do this. And having a company-paid facilitator do so, even if it's a video seminar that they're turning on and they're discussing, in so doing, they are creating something called a hostile work environment. Now imagine this. Imagine 20,000 Coca-Cola employees suing for $10 million each. That would be $200 billion. That would be ruinous. Even Apple couldn't afford that. Legally speaking, you cannot single anyone out in the workplace because of their skin color, because of their pigmentation, because of their biological sex, because of their ethnicity without significant legal liability. Okay, so, so really, where do we draw the line, or, or where is the line supposed to be drawn? Well, herein lies the problem. The problem that they're facing is the rule of law. If critical theory and all this diversity, diversity training is the unstoppable force, it hits the immovable object called the rule of law. Here's where the trouble starts with these companies, their HR departments, their diversity departments, their CEOs, and their legal departments, and maybe even their stockholders. You are not allowed to generalize about anybody's race, ethnicity, or biological sex. That's the law. That's discrimination when you say all black people are one way, all white people are one way, all Hispanic people are one way. That's racism. Okay, so then how do we handle this 
in our workplaces. Uh, obviously, you know, these people have their jobs and their careers and their promotions and all of those things are kind of tied up in how they handle this. So how, how should we handle this? Well, it's, it's dicey because if you uh, don't confess your whiteness, it could affect your next promotion, right? And it's a complex situation, particularly for a Christian, because technically this isn't really persecution. I mean, you know, First Peter 2 talks about that he was persecuted and Jesus uttered no threats. He was reviled and he did not revile in return, but he kept on entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. And the Sermon on the Mount talks about, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. But this isn't persecution per se. This is really standing up for others. It's not just about you. You know, God's word tells us not to be partial to anyone, not to favor the rich over the poor or the poor over the rich or the mighty over the weak or the weak over the mighty, but to help the oppressed. You know, all these wokesters like to quote out of context all these Old Testament passages about loving justice and helping the oppressed. Well, that's what we're doing here. We're helping the oppressed. So then what are you suggesting here? Is there a way forward, a way that we as Christians and as employees in these companies um, can can confront this kind of injustice, this um, thing that we can obviously see is is really discrimination and, as you said, racist, anti-racist training? Well, yeah, you know, and because this is a short-form podcast, we'll keep it simple. And I do want to refer, again, people to the resource page. But let's just think about Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Here's what it says. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him yourself. And then in verse 5 it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own sight. Yeah, those uh, those are some of the most contradictory verses, I think, in the Bible. And I always um, struggle with uh, with how exactly you you kind of balance those two. And so do you want to kind of explain sure. how we would do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these verses really, it's an apparent contradiction. Basically, don't answer a fool according to his folly and get down on his level, but deal with his folly, answer him according to his folly, so he doesn't get away with it, lest he be wise in his own sight. And so applying this passage, this verse, this counsel from God's Word to this situation we're discussing, there's a call here to resist, to fight. Now, I'm no attorney, but employees or employee groups should consult legal counsel. Now, I've been out of the workforce in the secular sense for 20 years, but in the corporate world, I've been through a ton of sexual harassment training and diversity training in the mid to late 1990s. And even in those days, this would have been considered a violation of civil rights through race discrimination, and also creating something called a hostile work environment. Why don't you talk about hostile work environment a little bit, Keith? I think it's something that uh, that is definitely thrown around a lot, uh, especially in the workplace. Uh, and often it's almost in contradiction to what we're talking about right here. Well, sure. And I'm going to go to a labor law firm's website looking for clients And we're going to put some of these sites, by the way, on the resource page. The behavior involves discrimination based on gender, race. Sexual harassment is definitely included within this scope. In fact, it's one of the most commonly asserted bases of hostile work environment harassment. And what this means is, is in practice, that someone is uh, made to feel uncomfortable. I'll quote, the behavior distresses the victim enough to adversely affect their work and or their emotional well-being at work. No economic or professional consequences like demotion, termination, etc. 
need be proven, although proving such consequences would certainly strengthen a claim. Now, did you get that? In other words, the victim must be believed. This is where this whole belief thing gets reversed on the uh, oppressor. So basically, if they feel harassed, if they feel threatened, then they are. And so Coca-Cola has this seminar in which participants are encouraged, and I quote, to be less white, to be less oppressive, to be less arrogant, to be less trusting, less defensive, to break with apathy and break with white solidarity. And then there's this quote that says, whites are socialized to feel as if they are inherently superior because they are white, and they finish with a challenge or an exhortation to try to be less white. They are creating, they have created, a hostile work environment. So they've basically done this by telling really all white people that you're oppressive, you're arrogant, you're ignorant, and and really as a white person, you should just try to be less white. Yeah, basically to sit down and shut up because you're white. But are all white people arrogant? Absolutely not. And again, I'm posting the slides that I'm going to put some of these slides that the whistleblower from this uh, seminar shared on social media. So what is this all about, essentially? If, if you're going to move forward, if you're going to resist, what is an employee to do, first and foremost, to count the cost? Because if you resist, you might never see a promotion. And also, if you work for Google or some of the, some of the tech companies here, you might get mobbed or cyber-mobbed or ostracized by co-workers and canceled in the workplace, or you might end up on some kind of message board or intranet posting. That happened to a couple of Google engineers a few years ago. So you could remain silent, but all this brings us back to the word of God in Proverbs, and that is to answer the fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own sight. In the name of morality, in the name of fairness, in the name of justice, you must answer this kind of folly so they don't get away with it thinking they're wise in their own eyes, thinking that this is right, this is good, this is acceptable. Because this is about not just you, but your co-workers or your children or your grandchildren. And there are a number of ways to deal with this. In a word, sue or lawsuit. In three words, class action lawsuit. And now I know this might seem extreme, but the class action thing comes into play because the cards are going to be stacked against you, and it's about more than you. It's about your coworkers. And large corporations or institutions like teachers' unions and government agencies do not understand you showing restraint. They take that as justification of what they've done. So I'm sad to say this, but you have to hit them in their pocketbook or they will not change and they will not relent. They may try and settle with you, and they may ask you to sign a non-disclosure agreement and keep your mouth shut for a cash settlement. You can't do that because it's not about the money. It's about right. It's about wrong. It's about principle. It's about setting things right like one courageous family did to Oberlin College. Oberlin College put this family out of business and they sued and they won and Oberlin was forced to pay or the judgment was $44 million. It's about Jody Shaw, a single mother of two, resisting diversity training in a bully elitist uh, college, Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. They wanted her to confess her fragility. They wanted her to talk about these kinds of things. And she refused to do so. And they couldn't act against her because they knew they were wrong. But eventually, she was forced to resign after all the pressure, but they offered her a cash settlement to keep quiet, and she refused to accept the settlement, and this story is not yet over. Google her name or go on YouTube, Jody Shaw. This is about protecting the weak from bullies, 
of all stripes and genders and colors in the workplace. It's about protecting the weak from woke bullies, and it's about the rule of law. You know what it's also about? It's about stockholders, because when the stockholders feel financial pain, they put pressure on these companies. So I'm going to put some uh, websites on the resource page, some links. One is Labor Lawyers by State, including our own. And another one is sort of a blueprint or a how-to for uh, filing a workplace claim against your employer. But, but the first place to start, I would say, as a believer, arguably, is with your employer that's trying to uh, go through local remedies to resolve this peacefully trying to work within the system before suing. And it's all about knowing your rights. It's all about sticking to the facts, not getting emotional, not running your mouth or bragging about what you're about to do. It's about discretion. It's about being discreet and determining how far you're willing to go as you count the cost and sticking with it. Because if you want to be taken seriously or, or, or received as a credible individual, you've got to govern yourself accordingly. So make sure you've documented the problem with names and dates and places, list of names who might be potential witnesses in the future, who've attended the seminar, screenshots, situations and circumstances documented where you were threatened or there was an implicit threat. And whatever you do, don't use company equipment to advance your case. That's unethical, so be careful. Realize that your email belongs to the company. So be wise, be ethical, be careful, be brave, act with courage, and act with integrity. And as appropriate, see a lawyer, and not just any lawyer, but the right lawyer. Count the cost, expect a fight, and remember, believer, this is about your testimony, your witness. So do what you do for the right reasons and in the right way. And I know that you've got to financially survive, so when I say count the cost, realize this could cost you significantly. It could affect your hireability for some time. And tech firms and large companies have deep pockets, as do their insurance companies, and they're going to fight. So I know you kind of touched on this just a little bit ago, um, but uh, really this is almost, it's almost a little bit of a break from what we would normally do on this podcast. Um, some might even say it's it's more just kind of politically motivated versus um, ideological. Um, so so why are we talking about this now, and, and why dive into this particular thing and really kind of the intricacies of what it means to take this fight to an employer versus, you know, kind of the Christians and the culture? Well, a couple of things, Mark. It's moral, number one. And moral and theological often intersect with political. And so why am I doing this? Because I've talked to too many good people in this town and elsewhere whose livelihoods, well-being, and careers are being threatened by this kind of training, and they feel alone and powerless. They're facing a corporate bully, so to speak. And I've been in the corporate world, the business world, and what's happening, I believe, is illegal and immoral. Edmund Burke put it this way, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men, and I would add good women, to do nothing. This has to stop. And so we have to engage. We have to not answer the fool according to his folly, lest we be like them, but answer these fools according to their folly, so they are not wise in their own sight, and so that this behavior comes to an end. Well, you know, Mark, I think we've run out of time. That's it for today. So if you'd like further resources, visit our resource page at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. If you'd like to ask me a question, send me an email, keith at hillside.org. I'd love to hear from you.
If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, go to the website www.hillside.org forward slash services, and you can watch our services on screen, or you can join us in person at 9 o'clock and 1045. We'd love to see you for Easter, so go to our website. And before we go, I usually put in a plug if you're listening on Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcast or Apple Podcast to give us a great rating, you know, and to tell your friends all about us. But I just want to drive this home. You need to share this podcast with as many people as possible so that we can stop this type of injustice and this type of discrimination and this type of bullying in the workplace. So please prayerfully consider doing just that. Now, this is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler, Out of My Mind, and I probably do sound like I'm out of my mind this time, but God bless you and keep you. See you next time.